0: a special episode of What Divines Us. (laughs) I'm Rabbi Abram. I am Reverend Matthew Schultz, and today is Big Block of Cheese Day. Okay, well, for the sake of our listeners who maybe are not West Wing fans, hard to believe. Hard to I believe. Know. Now you've watched the whole thing. You know, right? I've watched, I just I haven't watched the whole thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna be. I'm a big Rob Lowe fan. Yeah. And when he left, I was just When like,
1: he left to the quality just, dipped, and yeah. then Sorkin left. I don't remember if they left at the same time, yeah. but you know, Aaron Sorkin wrote. Like an insane amount of stuff because he was on cocaine the whole time. I think. <laughs> was
0: but, it really? Uh, he really? Uh, he might he was on
1: uh, he, he was on something. Are I don't
0: two clergy trying to show the benefits of cocaine right yes, now? Yes, <laughs> let that be today's lesson. No, but when he left, the quality changed too. So yeah,
1: the first, I think, three or four seasons really are where it's at. Um anyway, on one of the episodes, it, uh, Leo comes in and goes, it's big block of cheese day because on February twenty second. 18-whatever, President Jackson had a gigantic two-ton block of cheese placed in the foyer of the White House so that any and all people might come and bring their ideas and petitions and grievances, and they would get a hearing. And so on the West Wing, uh, Leo just kind of took that as his thing, and all sorts of unexpected groups would come in and make their pitch to the White House staff. So C.J. Craig, for example, um, she uh, ended up having a meeting with cartographers for social justice. And she was like, what does map making have to do with social justice? Lo and behold, it had something awesome to do with it, and it was a really good episode. And so every, I think for a few years, they did this on the show where Big Block of Cheese Day happened, and they met with a whole bunch of people that often turned out to be kooks. And they're, questions were a little bit crazy, but like with CJ, sometimes they would find one that was just absolute gold. Okay, so we're calling
0: this the Big Block of Cheese episode?
1: Yes, because right, today sure we threw title. it open to people on social media with very short notice to say what questions about faith might you have, and we'll do our best to uh, give them a fair hearing, because right. we're, we're like the president in this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or we're like clergy receiving questions about life and God. We're a lot more like that, yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. But yes, also the president. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, Matt, I mean, I love it. Uh, so uh, thanks for the introduction. Should we uh, get started on these questions?
1: Yes, indeed. I'll start. Uh, these are all from Twitter. I don't think I got any on Facebook, um, okay. but Twitter got a few right we're, away. Yeah,
0: by the way, we, we're on Twitter now, both of us. It, used to, be, it used to be you get to get to us through our moms. Right, those sort are of like the only way to get talk yeah. to us. But you can now you can now chat with us on Twitter if you're if you're so inclined. Yes, I
1: don't remember what my name is on Twitter. That's a frustration with me. I don't really love Twitter. The interface is strange. Things seem to get shared a bit better. Um, yeah. So I'm looking up now. I am at Rev Matt Schultz. R e v m a t t s c h u l t z. But it's often people's names have no semblance of. Legibility to them, and I don't know who I'm talking to.
0: Me too. I'm like at ZRAM84. Yeah. You can tell I made this Twitter handle years ago. Right. I that was cool. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, these are all from
1: Twitter. And so, this first one is from at anonymous who knows who. They're
0: all going to be that way. <laughs> FYI.
1: We'll keep names out. So, this first question is what are some of the faiths that astronauts held? And how did travel to space affect their views?
0: Dang. That's a powerful one.
1: Isn't that a great question? Okay. And I will say my son Andrew just wrote a poem about going to space, and it was amazing. Your
0: son Andrew is a poet? Yeah. Whoa. He's uh, a. on that one.
1: He is a, uh, a polymath, I guess, is what you say. He does a little bit of everything. Um, but this question I love. What are some of the faiths, or is it faiths? Do you do a hard T-H? Faiths. Faiths that faiths. astronauts held. Um, and how did travel to space affect their views? Now, I think, well, let me phrase it this way. People who study this have highlighted something that they call the overview effect.
0: Wait, wait, wait. People, people who study what? Oh, I don't know what their field like is. Scientists? Yeah, they're
1: they scientists, sociologists, uh, psychologists, okay. um, yeah, and uh, astronaut fans. <laughs> so they've, they've described something called the overview effect. The overview effect. Which is astronauts who return from space having seen the totality of human existence. Because they are separated out from the Earth, they're looking back, and there's what Carl Sagan, right? Exactly, Carl Sagan called it that pale blue dot in the distance, right? And so, everything is there, and that gives them this view from this overview. It has this effect on them of feeling the oneness of all humanity Ooh, and the, that nice. the the shared and inter-networked um, nature of all of nature, of all that we are as part of the earth, not separate from it, because suddenly they are separate from it, uh, right? Suddenly there are are they floating in their tin can? Like David Bowie said, they're out there far away looking back at it, and they say, wow, we are all one. We're all connected. And when they return to Earth, they seem to return changed from this, um, uh, what they referred to as like an experiment, an experience of self transcendence. They have transcended the self and and see themselves as part of the universal one. And so that that is a, a common after effect of going to space, particularly the ones that go to deep space. I think the further you go, the more impactful it is. That seems to be a magnifying effect of things that are already there. So for some, it's purely humanistic, where they would say, wow, we're all humans and working together. We can all create a utopian future if we're all bringing out the best in ourselves and in others. Others um, who go there as uh, religious people already might find their religious beliefs enhanced or magnified or fueled. So for example... Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. Sure. Uh, the two first people on the moon, both presbyterians.
0: Oh, really? Ding ding ding. Isn't yep, that woohoo! What you are it
1: Sure is. So I think it's I think it's fair to say that I am responsible for the moon landing.
0: Oh, good. You yeah. got we got, we got there.
1: <laughs> but they um there was on Christmas Day several years before the moon landing. I forget who it was, but two astronauts were orbiting, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and they read from Scripture and said, "God bless, Merry Ooh, Christmas." What did they read, I forget. What I think it was from Genesis. Pretty oh, sure good. they read the opening passages of Genesis. But
0: in the beginning, like yeah, that, uh-huh, that business, yeah. yeah, okay. And
1: at the end, they said, "We hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Be safe. God bless." That kind of thing. Um, that famous atheist who had a lot of lawsuits. I forget her name.
0: Her name. Was
1: it Mary something?
0: Famous atheist with Yeah. If you Google
1: that phrase, <laughs> you'll get her name. She sued NASA saying that that was not separation of church and state. She lost, but NASA was like, oh, boy, we better be careful. So yes, They, they said, you. "They said, hey, you astronauts, no more of that, please. So when Neil and Buzz, we're on a first-name basis because we're all Presbyterians. Yeah,
0: I bet you all are, you Presbyterians.
1: <laughs> when Neil and Buzz landed on the surface of the moon before they got out, there were all sorts of safety checks going on, some of which were done at Houston, so they were sitting waiting. And while they did that, they requested a brief period of radio silence from Houston, at which point Buzz got out a little piece of communion wafer and a tiny little cup, and he poured communion for him and Neil on the surface of the moon.
0: But aren't they wearing, like... Uh, astronaut
1: Not inside the lander. Oh the the lander. The lunar excursion module, also called the LEM, if you've watched Apollo 13. <laughs> I have, but I don't remember any of that. <laughs> oh man, it's also good. It's also good. We Presbyterians love our acronyms. And so does NASA. So you know it's it's a whole big thing. But he describes he being Buzz Aldrin described it as as this really important, meaningful moment for both of them. Particularly, as, as I'm sure you're familiar in the communion liturgy, you pour the wine or the juice, I think he had juice, um, into the cup. Well, he poured it, but he's on the surface of the moon in a very small amount of gravity. And so he said the, the juice went into the cup went around the curve of the bottom of the cup and way back up out again. Whoa. And he had to kind of, like, be careful. to like catch it. Yeah, he, he had to sort like of catch again. it. Yeah. So it's not the zero gravity like you see on TV or microgravity where, where there's, like, the, the bubbles floating around. Yeah, but it yeah. was still, it was, it was, like, very low gravity. So. so I think what tends to happen is a Presbyterian will have that overview effect and be changed but sort of in, in harmony with that tradition they've already grown from.
0: I think it's beautiful. Like, they, you know, you leave Earth and you bring religion with you.
1: Yeah, right. You know what I mean? I mean, that, yeah.
0: that's kind of incredible, actually. And if
1: it didn't it. change us, that would be really sad. Yeah. You know, I, I hear—I I don't know if this is true. It's it's kind of a, a legend or apocryphal that a Soviet cosmonaut went to space and returned saying, I saw no evidence of God. It's just emptiness. And then a U.S. astronaut went up and said— "I." I saw evidence sound. of God yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a true story or if it's just yeah. a metaphor for, like you said, how we bring our own preconceptions to it. Yeah. Um, but I do think the overview effect is studied by psychologists and uh, and sociologists, as, and it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, cool. I'm glad we answered that question. We answered that question really
1: well. I, I actually did preach a sermon on that about five or ten years ago, and so it's in my head. You know, yeah, it's it's yeah. stuff that I think is really uh, fascinating. Just,
0: I, yeah, I just want to say that I don't think we're going to answer all these questions just as well as we answered them <laughs> <now>. Uh oh. <laughs> all right. Far well, this next one,
1: it's it, it's up to you now. Um, this next person says, uh, "Oh, this is you typing to me. Oh. I received <laughs> an analog question, meaning someone asked me this in person. <laughs> What's the deal with something called?" Caparote. Yeah, you got a caparot. Yeah. All right. Want, so, okay. Okay. So. I'll
0: ask you. What's the deal with something called caparot? <laughs> Kap- okay. This jitty thing gets really weird sometimes. So, so caparot. <laughs> you might be able to hear the word like kipper in there as in Yom, K- Yom Kippur.
1: I thought it was Kipper the dog from like uh, PBS Kids. Or,
0: or kipper like <laughs> you know smoked salmon, but yeah, no. This yeah. is this is capro is like uh, derives from the term or word atonement. Okay. Um, oh, and, like Yom Kippur. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is I would say this is more of a. Orthodox thing, and not necessarily a reform thing. If you remember, I'm a reform rabbi, right? Uh, but uh, it's this tradition where, around b- before Yom Kippur, you take a chicken, okay, right? a chicken, right, uh, and uh, you take it above your head and you you fling like a lasso kind of situation, and you think what of, is it alive? It's totally alive. Uh, You're 100%. swinging a living chicken yes. above your head. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. And, oh I feel so lucky. sad for I'm not this chicken. Even done. Okay. Okay. So and then and then all of your you like think about all your sins and it goes into the chicken and then <laughs> and then I'm later sure. that chicken your is...
1: your sins go into the chicken. It
0: does. All yes. right. So it's the uh, it's the scape chicken. Exactly right. Thank you for that <laughs> reference. Right, there, it, in the in the Bible, there's a moment where Aaron is offering like a, a sins to a goat, yeah, yeah. a scapegoat. Uh-huh. Similar idea. Um, And then the chicken is slaughtered later, apparently. So uh, this is a very controversial practice. Yeah, especially Uh, (laughs) among chickens. (laughs) I remember, so uh, back when I lived in L.A., I lived in a very Jewish neighborhood called Pico Robertson. And, uh, literally uh, there was a, like, sort of like a copper rope place next to my apartment complex. Do you do it in a certain location? Yeah, I mean, you have to. And, but, like, and so... Well, you can't just
1: swing a chicken in your own home. <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> okay. But,
0: like, uh, but literally, like, at this, at this location, which is this, I think it's ro- off of Robertson here, there's a person dressed as a chicken. What? Like, with a sign. So, like says, outside of the tax places where there's the Statue of Liberty guy yeah, swinging the sign think around. Think of a think of a guy dressed as a chicken with a yeah. sign to like advertise that Jews can do this caparote thing. Wow! Here now, the, now th- so that's why he crossed the road. <laughs> <laughs> right right oh boy Sorry. to be flung in the air by yeah. some other and, and yes now one year this is so funny one year there was a very big protest against this for animal rights for, of course stuff, for animals' yeah. this uh-huh. is horrible like yeah. you shouldn't treat chickens this way all of us you know I would say reform rabbis completely agree this is not okay wait okay to treat animals and yeah and so and so, like, I was, like, in my apartment, he's not my own biz, when I could hear the chanting outside, and it went like this, blood, blood, blood on your hands. And oh, my gosh. And that was the chanting against this copper rote ritual. And gotcha. I still have that in my in, in my head, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's something. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I know, right? It's, 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 you taking take kind of like a weird left turn, you're not expecting Yeah,
1: that. I mean, Christianity has its weird, yeah. You know, traditions and and side traditions as well, but uh, I have never heard that one before. That's fascinating. And,
0: you know, I, I don't think people, you know, yeah, it's so yeah. obscure that most people don't hear about it. And most rabbis like myself don't like it. So right, that's right. something that we often just bring up or talk about in casual conversation. Is it
1: done at a certain season, a certain time of yes, year? Yes, yes, right before Yom Kippur, right before. so okay. in the fall. Gotcha, yeah.
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. where you're toning for your sins. Wow. Which is, it's so antithetical to what, even what Yom Kippur is, right? You can't, you can't tone th- your sins by giving it to a chicken, you know? You, the only way to tone for your sins is to ask forgiveness from those who you have wronged. Right. You know, right, right. that's the, that's the way you do it in Judaism. Mm-hmm. If you wrong someone, you have to ask forgiveness yeah. from that particular person. Uh, so, I don't know. I've never really got, gotten that particular ritual, but there you go. All right. Well,
1: there, that, yeah, that's good to know. And in the future, <laughs> if I see someone in a chicken outfit, you know, standing outside. I feel outside, like I, asking yeah. that
0: question. was way cooler.
1: <laughs> I, well, I got a better question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yours is fascinating. I'd never heard of that before. So that's yeah. really interesting yeah. to me. And the concept of a scapegoat. Yeah. It is also fascinating to me, and also we've talked before about the nature of clergy and how some people see us as a a separate, like, classification of person on which the holiness is placed for the benefit of the community, right? Right, And right. they're like, you're praying, you're doing the prayer stuff, so I don't have to. Yes, we don't, like, so that, right? like, yeah, don't like that. And so I feel like a scapegoat function is similar, where they're like, we're putting the atonement on this act. Uh, no, I don't have to go talk to my brother because, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm wondering if it's that
0: same kind well, of Well, you switch. know, there, there are ways to sin against God that you can't really ask forgiveness from a person and mm, uh-huh. and, and really the scapegoat uh, maybe the scape chicken here in this in this case, or really Yom Kippur itself is a holiday where it says, okay, now you've gotten through all the forgiveness components of other people, but if there's moments where you've oh, you know, yeah. if you've sinned against God, this is the time to ask forgiveness with that, so. And if it's held as more of a
1: symbolic act as a opposed to a functional act I could see that having real merit. I wouldn't want to kill a chicken for it
0: no or, or, or not even that but just make a chicken feel fear you know what I right, mean like yeah, that's yeah it's not cool
1: yeah I mean I mean I eat chicken so it's not like I am 100% on the animal sure compassion so. thing but but yeah I wouldn't want to make it feel so bad yeah I want it to be a quick thing oh very sad
0: yeah, yeah, sorry. Let's move on to the
1: next question. Okay. So not so sad. Alrighty, so we have a whole bunch here. Pick a number between one and
0: five. Uh, f- ooh, ooh. Dang I want to say seven, but you said one five. (laughs) (laughs) I did. So try again. Uh, Let's try two. (laughs) Two.
1: All right. Number two says, what commandments were on the third tablet that Moses dropped in that one movie? Okay. The one movie being History of the World World Part One, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, yes. Yes. Uh, It's a great scene. He comes down from the mountain, and he's carrying three tablets, and he goes, I bring to you these 15. And then he drops one of them, and he goes, oi, and they smash all over the place. Yeah. And he goes, these
0: ten commandments.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah. Classic Milbrooks.
0: It is, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in Judaism, there's actually six hundred thirteen commandments. There you go. It's, it's a, so, so I'm my. So that tablet must have been in a must really have small been font. Really small <laughs> font, right? The other six hundred and three in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but their thirteen commandments are kind of obscure. You know, like the yeah. first 10 being, of course, the most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, it gets a little strange, a little right. weird, um, I would say. Some of them are quite dated having to do with temple practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of Judaism is that uh, you collect them, right? Like, kind of like, this is going to be a weird... Uh, Metaphor here, but like in the game, like Pokemon, okay, were they, were they collecting them? Gotta catch them can, all, gotta catch them all, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, in some ways, Judaism is like that with, with the mitzvot, which is a plural of mitzvah, yeah, and that's what we use the word for commandments, right? Is that there's opportunities to collect them every day, and like there's holidays offer you extra opportunities to collect them
1: by collect, you mean like
0: you. Have you do some sort of action that right, so that exhibits that? Back thing? to Yom Kippur, you're uh-huh. supposed to fast all day. If you do fast all day, you've collected an extra mitz- mitzvah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And hey, today I didn't steal anything. I collected you that, to collect that mitzvah. Well, okay. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So the more, and this is really where Orthodox Judaism is is big. You know, where they follow 613 mitzvot, meaning they try to collect as many as they possibly can on okay. a given day. Uh, you know, I kind of uh, like that. That's it's sort of, you've heard the phrase gamification
1: of things. Yeah, it kind of gamifies it our ethics and our it's religious a bit practice. gamified, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, the problem is that it's hard to live sort of a modern lifestyle sure. and attempt to collect all of these. So, this is where sort of there's been a split in ideology between sort of, let's say, Orthodox and Reform, mm-hmm. where Reform is like, do what you can, man. Like, you know, get through your day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and if you want, if you can collect as many as you can along the way, great. Uh, but uh orthodox is no we're gonna we're gonna arrange our life around collecting all of these yeah yeah, yeah, so so
1: to answer the question, then what was on the other tablet it, we could say it's other six hundred three, but I would go to another analogy, one of my teachers said once I forget who said this uh, religion and comedy are similar sometimes <laughs> in that it's like dissecting a frog in biology class. You might have an interesting time doing it, but it doesn't work out well for the frog. <laughs> <laughs> and I think dissecting a Mel Brooks joke
0: is, is just going to kill the joke. <laughs> you know that. That now. That being said, you know I really wish that those like extra commandments that got dropped were about kind of like taking care of yourself. You know, you ah, know what I mean? there you like go. All these commandments, it's the self-care are, commandments. Right, because all these commandments are like, how do you live in in like a kind of like a, a ethical society, right? Yeah. So there's the ten big right, ways right. to pull that off. But right. if they have one, like, thou
1: shalt have a cookie now and again.
0: Right. Don't You're treat yourself. worth it. Yeah. Treat yourself. You know, like, <laughs> that's, thou shalt that treat yourself. Be, thou shalt treat yourself should be a command. I really should. Yeah. I just, keep, I, like I watch some people who don't do that, and yeah. I think they'd be better off if they did. Thou shalt nap. Yes. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thou shalt not feel guilty for taking thy nap. Oh. You know what I mean? You All know, right. Know, like that. The, 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 you know, you
1: asked why you had the
0: paper. I think, I think take writing, that note. We need to write down. those down <laughs> yeah. for a future <laughs> yeah. episode. Yes. Yeah.
1: The Ten Commandments of self-care well surely there's a pinterest page that already has that oh guarantee we'll find that yeah all right right, we'll go on to the next one um let's see here all right well the next one in line right after number two is number three surprisingly and (laughs) it's sequential huh what came first the chicken or the egg oh now my brother bob actually answered this question once and he said it depends on if you're a creationist or an evolutionist Because if you believe that God created all the animals like that, well, then it's the chicken because it seems like he didn't make baby versions of the animals to grow up. He probably made them in full-grown capacity. But if you believe in evolution, then the first chicken genetically would have been born and arrived on Earth first as that egg. And its own parent would have been across whatever evolutionary line made it still a dinosaur or whatever it was. So there you go. That's the answer. It depends on your point of view. Personally, I do believe in evolution, so I'm going to say – the egg.
0: I'm going to say, well, what's wrong with just not knowing? Well, we're here answering questions, man. But that's we can not, say but that but about that's, every but question. That's an <laughs> The, maybe the answer is being comfortable with the mystery.
1: Oh. But, you know, this is our second chicken based question. There, oh,
0: that's that's kind of right, strange, God. isn't it? Oh, I'm man. Chicken based wow. question. What's with all this? I did not see that coming. I did not. No, that's very strange. All right. But, you know, isn't the chicken in the egg kind of more like a philosophical question and less yeah. of a religious question? I wonder. But, you know, I still think that, like, you know, there is um, there is sort of a value of of embracing. The mystery, right? We could, yes. We could unpack the whole the chicken and egg in lots of different ways, but I think, the, I think the 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 real fun is just being like, you know, can we hold two right. things to be true? It's like a, a a Zen cone,
1: if you're familiar with those. K o a n k koan, K-O-A-N. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but it's questions like that that are not intended to be answered, but rather to place you into a mindset of awe-filled, unknowing, um, or uh, it's what's the sound of one hand clapping, you know,
0: that yeah. kind of thing, where it's but like you're not supposed to try to answer it. I it, just, yeah. But, I, I but like, it does open your spirit. When you have, like, two truths that clash, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. this, the question that often people say uh, need to say is that, like, well, one one truth needs to win out. Right. But, like, you know, in Judaism this happens quite often because, you know, we have a, our own special calendar, mm-hmm. and right now the year is 5,783. Mm-hmm. That's the belief that's when the universe was... Created, right? But really, our solar system was created what five three point five billion years ago? No, I think it's more than that now. Five I think I think that's the Earth.
1: Oh, but I think okay. the universe was. Uh, now they're saying in the, or the ballpark of seventeen or eighteen billion. Okay,
0: eighteen billion. So do those values?
1: I'm sure I'm wrong, by the way. So yeah, but, if anyone
0: has a real number, but billions you know is, is more than five thousand seven hundred eighty-three. Yeah, a bit yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those truths. They clash. Right. Right. So what do you do when that happens? Um, Do you freak out and try to like, you know, design one to work over the other? Or can you hold both those truths in your head and say they are both accurate in their own way? Well, on this
1: one, I say one is correct and one is incorrect. And I don't have a problem saying that the metaphorical meaning of the 5,000 number is important and valuable. Yeah. But it's also wrong.
0: It's wrong in, in what? It's wrong in a particular context.
1: Yeah, in the context of how old is the universe? Right. <laughs> yeah. In, in that context, it's wrong.
0: In the scientific context. In the
1: scientific context, yeah, yeah there is yeah, there is yeah. an actual fact, right? And right. that's a good thing to acknowledge. I know you don't disagree with me on that. Oh no. But but also I agree with you. There's real value to looking at the five thousand year picture, and a lot of uh, very you know kind of more fundamentalist Christians would also hold to a similar number.
0: Well, I mean, before scientists figured out how to measure our right. universe, this number was more of a fact. Right, right. Uh, and as we understood our universe better, it became less of a fact. hmm You know, but still important in Judaism. We still sure. use it. So I just think the chicken and the egg kind of helps you with, with that understanding. That like, I like it. Chicken, egg, why be so stressed out? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the back to right. that, back to fifth tablet. But if
1: it were, but if it were on Cavarot, <laughs> could you swing an egg above
0: your head? <laughs> what? Oh, another weird thing. Yeah, you uh, an egg is considered to be parv, which means that you can have an egg with milk, but you can't have a chicken with milk.
1: So somewhere along the line, it loses rules. its, it's, it's, uh,
0: it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Sorry, wow. Sorry, that okay. Weird. Yeah, that is very you know, interesting. Weird
1: non-tangent right there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep with the food theme. Cause okay. one of the other uh, questions we got is, and I don't know exactly the nature of this question. It says, why is religion like a warm, fresh loaf of bread?
0: Well, our religion literally is that because we eat something called challah. Every Friday. Well, we we
1: bread at communion also. Yeah,
0: so challah is. You're a, not the
1: only bread religion.
0: Yeah, right. We've been in it. <laughs> Step away, Matt. All right. Uh, uh, we uh, yeah, uh, challah is a braided bread. We have yep. for Shabbat. It's like it helps you like enjoy the the joy of Shabbat, mm-hmm. and we have it every Friday night after services. So do they have gluten free challah? Uh, tastes awful. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You actually have like a a, like a challah mold just to make gluten free challah. Okay, has never been able to successfully
1: do it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gluten free uh. stuff is like that. There's. But it's
0: like an, it's like an egg bread. It's it's hard. It's hard to create like a a version of gluten free challah that actually feels like.
1: I have had so, it on a bunch of occasions, and I think it's yummy, and it's fun to pull apart. Yeah. Kind of like monkey bread, you know, or all different kinds. Breads that have yeah. that interesting texture is good. And um, Yeah, I know. pre yeah.
0: to we used to just pass it around. Right, Yeah.
1: Now I cut it up before. We, we did, did a thing called intinction where, you know, people come forward for communion, also uh-huh. called Lord's Supper, and they would just reach at the loaf and yank off a piece. Yeah. And then dip that in the juice and eat it that oh. way. And so uh, – Generally, it's pretty clean. You know, it, it stays pretty good. But now it's just we, we do individual helpings yeah. for everybody because it's Thanks, just a little bit safer.
0: <laughs> COVID really changed the way we do this kind of thing.
1: Now, that's how our religions use bread. But this is why is religion like a warm, fresh loaf of bread? So let me say here, let's say, A, it nourishes. Ooh, Bread nourishes the yeah, soul. Yeah. And also the there's a certain feeling of hospitality the warmth of Mm -hmm. home and welcome if you walk into a home and they've been baking bread you walk in and you feel like oh this is a place I want to be I'm welcome here like if you've been away from your parents house for ages and you walk in and they're cooking something you're like oh I'm home again you know and I think that is what a lot of religion can provide
0: you know, I want to think of religion as, from a perspective of, like, civilization. Like, what's religion's role? Mm-hmm. And and bread is only something you can really, I feel like, get if you have, like, a solid civilization going. Oh, yeah. Right? Think about all the things you need to have in order to create bread in the first place. Like
1: agriculture. Agriculture, yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, you need to have multiple industries working in tandem together uh-huh. and then a place to sell it in order to make it. You know what I mean? That, like, it requires a bit of civilization. Yeah. Uh, so, honestly, I, I think that religion has grown along with the bread. And I would think
1: bread. bread, now I'm speaking out of my behind here, but wouldn't bread be one of the first produced foods? Like if you don't count meat and, and things that just grow naturally, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when we start putting different ingredients together, would bread be one of our first recipes ever?
0: I think... But think of amazing like. Think about, like, you know... Or wine. With, like, natural yeast, where yeah. you put flour and water and yeast, and you put it in the oven, and it becomes bigger than it was before. Like, how do you even discover that in <sighs> the first place? Mind-blowing. Yeah. Probably that's why religion was, was invented, to but th- describe how b- bread was invented. But the bread
1: used in both of our liturgical traditions is unleavened, without the yeast, right?
0: So it's well, an even... Well, challah is completely leavened. Oh, I right, thought, yeah. right. Challah is very leavened. Matzah. But in... Exodus, it was unleavened. Yeah. Well, in, in Exodus, they said that, that the Israelites had to leave without their bread leavening, yeah. so yes. and that's Oh, th- so that was accidental. Oh, we're not ex- it was situational. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. We all also right. refer to matzah as the bread of our affliction, just FYI. So, <laughs> matzah doesn't have like, necessarily a great I would say. It's uh, not like you're all sitting around I can't wait to get my hands on something. I am not doing that, <laughs> like, whatsoever. My son, on the other hand, will eat matzah <laughs> all year round. Okay. Uh, if we have it, so. But if you make something he doesn't like, does he say, like, ugh,
1: this is, this is the asparagus of my affliction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Anyway, I think that sense of hospitality, but I love that idea. And, and I'm sure, I think we've talked about this before, you're the same way. You hear someone talking and you say to yourself, oh, that's going to be in a sermon someday. Yeah. What yeah. you just said about bread kind of... Co-rising with our civilization—that's co-rising
0: with our religion,
1: right? Yeah, uh, that's yeah, a whole—that's yeah. a whole sermon, don't you think? Somewhere uh, in there, yeah.
0: you can feel feel to steal that, if you want. Well, all, and throughout and love war and
1: sermon, right? And, and in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life, and several uh, other. There's a lot of metaphorical uh, uh, uses of bread and Jesus being one and the same. So, yeah, cool. yeah. Well, there you go. All right, next. The question says, this isn't exactly kooky, but I am wondering about what exactly apologetics... Is and how it works. Have you heard the phrase apologetics?
0: This is my first time hearing about it.
1: It's a very Christianese word. Um, I know C.S. Lewis was big into it, but oh, it I has C.S. Lewis. yeah. Um, he was big into it, and I think kind of be, rose to Christian prominence by being someone who cared for that a lot. But it has.
0: He wrote the line which in the murder. line the word yeah all
1: the Narnia books. The he Narnia also books. did a great one called the Screwtape Letters and several. Nonfiction things such as a grief observed, where he talked about his wife passing away and how it impacted him. Um, a deep thinker, faithful guy, pal of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, and they would Tolkien, right? And they would uh, they would kind of swap notes on their on their fantasy realms. Um, but it predates him by centuries, millennia. It goes all the way back to what you might call the early Christian Church, the Church Fathers. Some people refer to them as because, you know, it's fun to erase women from our traditions. And so they, they called them the church fathers. Um, anyhow, apologetics comes from Greek words that mean something, but I forget at the moment what they mean.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Apo would be like before or after.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is the opposite things. Right. <laughs>
1: but it means it's something in time. And apologos. Meaning like a logic or or an argument for or uh-huh. against something. And so it, it comes, I think it's like the closing argument. So it must mean after the argument, and it's or the closing argument in, in a trial. So the defendant will have the chance at the end of the trial to say, here's what was done. Here's an, an our our explanation. And so the word apology kind of comes from the same place. Like, here's why. Here's why it all happened. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but here's the explanation for it. And apologetics in the Christian realm has to do with making that case. You're going to make the case for why Jesus is God or God's son.
0: It's sort of, uh, it's an attempt to convince
1: people. It's very popular in circles that really push evangelism and trying to convert people to Christianity by means of a logical presentation. Oh. So, there's a lot to be said for it. There's there's pros and cons. You know, For one thing, it does not tell people to stop thinking, right? It's saying use your wisdom, use your intelligence, use your thoughtfulness. Here's my case, now make up your own mind. So yeah. that's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, it's it's not cool. saying believe or go to hell. It's saying here's, here's what we've seen, here's what we've experienced and, and that – Sometimes it strikes me as a little bit, um, it can be utilized in a way that can be kind of pushy. It's like, this is my experience, therefore it's universally applicable to everybody. Uh, okay. um, but I think, you know, you don't blame a hammer if someone smacks you with a hammer. And so I think it's, it's a tool that can be used in a, in a constructive manner. Um, it's, it does tend to be used in more traditional and evangelical circles uh, as a term. You know, we might all do it in our own circles. Like if someone comes to me and says, hey, what's your church about? I'll probably use some uh, processes of... Apologetics to explain, you know, sure. here's you know we we have a sense that there's something greater than ourselves, and these are the traditions we enter into to try to embrace that and acknowledge it and step into that you know liminal space. We call Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin Neil and Buzz. That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just part it's part of our deal. That's if you're in the Presbyterian Platinum program. uh Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. yeah. Anyway, so that's right what there. apologetics is, as it comes from an old tradition. I think it goes as far back as like the 300s AD. Um, the uh, of just essentially trying to make the case back in those days when a lot of people had no idea who this Jesus fellow was because it was a somewhat new religion. And so they had to find a way to present it in a manner that was understandable, rational and uh, and hopefully inviting.
0: Got it. Yeah.
1: OK, well, that was that was helpful. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And now we're on to our last one. Oh, yeah. If nice I fun. showed up to your religious service. OK. Bearing gifts of Blank. No, I feel like we're playing match game. Playing gifts of blank.
0: It's like Mad Libs. (laughs)
1: What gift would make everyone in the sanctuary at that time line up to get one, and what gift would get me booed right out of the room? Get me booed off stage, it says. We don't really have a stage. Um, But, yeah, so if I showed up to your service with bearing gifts, what gift would make everyone line up to get one? What gift would get me booed off the stage? Oh, wow. Now, it's an interesting thing because, of course— we don't usually bring gifts, per se, <laughs> right? It's not, uh, you know, we don't have, the like, the gift bag, like, at a birthday party. Um, every Sunday, we tend to have someone has signed up to provide cookies for that day. And so that's what? nice. Yeah. there's
0: a cookie sign-up at your church?
1: There is. And, Jeez. you know, the deacons are an, a, an elected board of people who go in to be providing wonderful service to the church in many ways. And if no one's signed up, the deacons will provide it. But, yeah, you can sign up to be the cookie bringer. So sometimes yeah. it's just random person brought in cookies. And uh, that's lovely and great. So that's one thing that everyone always loves, whether it's cookies or sometimes they'll bring in, you know, scones or other whatever thing they like to make. They'll, they'll bring in their own family treat. So that's wonderful. We're we, ha- we very food-based in our church, and so there's a lot of potlucks where everyone brings something for everyone to share. That's so fun. Yeah, that's um, so cool. But there was a, a couple of years ago uh, a lovely child in our church made— so many origami cranes as a symbol of peace. Like a
0: thousand? Like that whole thing? I think that
1: was her aim. I don't know if she actually set that goal. Yeah, And uh, and brought them into church just because she was like, I want to share these people. And so people would donate a few bucks to the kids' programs, but it wasn't necessary, and uh, they raised a lot of money, and it was um, it was really so sweet cool. and wonderful, and I still have I still have one in my pulpit. I have it every Sunday when I preach. I look at it, and uh, it's a lovely thing. So I do think that there's something special about gifts from children. There's definitely something special about a gift that is made by the people of the church. Just last Sunday, a woman at our church named Susan, I invited her forward to share about some of the sewing she does. And so, in the oh, midst of cool. the sermon, she shared about some of the items that she has handmade for various uh, things in her life. And so, people just love to see your personal art or efforts uh, of that nature.
0: Yeah, I was going to say something similar. Like, we often have guest speakers come for mm-hmm. like, our Friday night worship services. And these guest speakers are always like experts in their field. Yeah. So we can educate ourselves on sort of like local or national issues going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like an immigration lawyer come in one, you know, recently uh, and really w- there is a lineup because we what ends up happening is that after they're done speaking, our entire community like rushes them to sort of ask questions. Right. You know, like you didn't quite get into this thing I had a lot, you know, us Jews have a lot of thoughts we argue a lot, you know, right. and so um, honestly like anyone that comes in and talks about what they have an expertise in like that for us is like that's. That's a great A Primo answer. gift. Yep. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. we love that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and my services will go on much longer just because people want to stay yeah. and chat and ask new more questions.
1: So does your service end and then there's a time afterwards for that talking? No, or does I don't that do talking no, take no, place it, during the service?
0: I, I have a whole thing, Matt, where I anyone anyone who's a guest speaker, I ask them to come at the beginning uh-huh. of the service to experience a Jewish worship service, right? So they nice. know what that's like. Uh-huh. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Yep. And then about I would say three fourths into the service, mm-hmm. normally when I would give my sermon, mm-hmm. instead we bring up the guest speaker. Nice. The guest speaker does their thing, um, and often with lots of questions, stuff like that. And then and then I, I did do the rest of the fourth of the service after the guest speaker is done, and then we have what's called oneg. That's where we have our challah, mm-hmm. and we. Oh, I always invite the guest speaker to come and enjoy challah with us, with with us, with grape juice or wine. And usually, they are swamped by the community. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. Wanna ask more questions. So yeah, that's kind of how that works. Okay. That's cool, but on, on the flip side, I think maybe being a cross <laughs> <laughs> is probably not a good idea. Yeah, uh, Jewish, you yeah. know, and there are there are groups of people who are called uh, Messianic Jews. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and they 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 believe in Jesus, but they 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 claim. Well, there's two different kinds. There's a group that just say, "Hey, Jesus is Jewish. We want to practice Judaism in that way." Because we think that's cool. I, I, that's fine. Whatever. Is that fine? I was. I mean, like it's a little bit of appropriation, but okay. like you know, uh, we're laid back about this kind of stuff. As long as people don't think that they're full Jews, you yeah. Know, as yeah. As long as they go around saying, "Hey, we're Jewish," mm-hmm. uh, and but we didn't do put in, in, any of the work into it. We talked so about this last yeah, time about that Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Whatever. But there is a group of there is a kind of like messianic Jew out there that tries to trick jews into being christian oh. yeah which is a really fascinating interesting problem um hmm. i don't know how effective that is but uh it can't be that effective. um but, no. but yeah so but that's really we we, we feel weird you know i mean you know all of us like i would say jewish sects you know jewish groups we all have like a lot of differences but we all agree that messianic jews deserve like keep their distance um, so okay, uh, that's not what we are, and that's yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if you really want to insult us, Jews, just bring cross to that. You know. Is it would it be other religions also, or is it
1: just that that hasn't happened historically? It's usually the Christians that are that are being pushy.
0: Yeah, it's usually the Christians. I mean, like yeah. Sorry. I mean, but the thing is, like, I mean, there was also the Russian programs, and and you know, Russians are, as you point out, famously not not. So well I mean they're you know orthodox well, I guess you should yeah, say soviet the, the the Soviet yeah, Union yeah. was Yeah uh, so but yeah I mean we were I mean so not all religion, not it was not just Christianity but Christianity is the main yeah, the yeah. main thing that, Well
1: I think that's true globally historically there is an evangelist evangelistic aspect to Christianity that was new was it new I I'm, I'm not an expert on world history but I feel like we've been the ones that are more, like, in that mindset of, let's go around the world and convert people. More so, like, you don't see Buddhists doing that, you know?
0: Yeah, and uh, we do... I mean, you have to wait... I mean, you have to, like, spend a year... At my temple before we even let you in. You know what I mean? We're like the opposite of whatever evangelists are, you know?
1: Yeah, but you're just trying to play it cool. You're like, you know that makes people like you more.
0: (laughs) They want it more. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when that high school kid ignores the person they like. It's like, oh, they must really be into them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I guess anyone that tries to skip that line, if you will, of of what it takes to be Jewish, we're like, ooh, it doesn't feel authentic to us. Okay. i will get you in trouble.
1: I don't know of anything that would make us boo someone off the stage but it might be a similar thing you know within Christianity there's a lot of variety and those who are much more conservative and conversion minded would probably consider my church to be outright non-Christian sure. and so if they were to come in trying to convert us to their way which they would consider like more more Christian more true to Christianity you know that would that would raise some hackles for sure. Yeah. And um, aside from that, I don't, I mean, there's very little that would make us push someone out. We had someone come in who was having a a hard time and was, you know, kind of shouting and yelling. And so we, you know, I I gently escorted them out, but more because they were potentially dangerous. (laughs) It's not like, it's not like we disliked the person. We were just concerned about safety. So that kind of thing too. Um, I had someone ask me what I would do if Donald Trump would come and attend because he was, like, coming through to travel. And he has said before— Through Anchorage? I think he was, like, going to land at Elmendorf and then leave again. But oh. someone said, what would you have done if he just showed up, like, if uh, if they needed to refuel for longer and he went to church? And he has said in the past he's Presbyterian, but— He has? He has, but he's Whoa. not. Here's the thing. we uh, Presbyterians are sort of like Mr. Spock in Star Trek. We're the Vulcans of the church world. Hold on.
0: Mr. Spock is Jewish, FY. Leonard Nimoy <laughs> yeah. is Jewish. True, yeah, but he's he's a messianic Vulcan. (laughs) No, that's not what we
1: know. No, 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 what I meant, we're not like him. We're like the Vulcans, meaning we are very serious and reserved and non-emotional, and uh, that's kind of a, a stereotype, and so part of that is we keep really in-depth records. Everything we do is written down 10 times, put on file locally and at the national office, et cetera, et cetera. Donald Trump claims to be a Presbyterian, but there's no record of him ever being baptized or joining any Presbyterian church anywhere. Yeah. Who knows where he got the idea? It could be a different branch of Presbyterianism for all we know. Anyway, someone asked, what would you do? Would you kick him out if he came to the church? And honestly, it was a hard, harder question than I would like to admit, because you'd like to think you're, you would just answer with grace and say, no, of course, everyone's welcome. But I had a hard time. I had to really think it through, and I did come down on, yeah, I would hope he would stay, maybe we could help him grow toward kindness, but um my initial instinctive gut emotion was ugh, it was disgust. Ick, yeah. get out of here, so
0: I feel lucky there's no there's no way he'd ever ever come to my that's true synagogue, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that I mean, to get booed out would take a lot. Um, I think it would just be matters of safety or full-out, you know, aggressive behavior to to, to interrupt the worship service it would would get you out of the way. That's another thing. Uh, Presbyterians are like uh, they like the routine. Now my congregation's a bit different; that we we're more flexible, but a lot of churches. Boy, they don't know what to do if you throw a curveball into the order of things yeah, and the timing of things.
0: We're oh, so guilty of yeah. that. Yes, everything has to be this, you know, in a specific order. Now, again, I'll say my specific congregation—they are
1: wonderful about that. We've had things kind of go off the rails, and, and I will just say to them, "Hey, listen." We're going to have to change things. What you have printed in your bulletin is not the way it's going to go. Oh, yeah. And they're always really cool about it. So yeah. so I'm lucky on that front. But a lot of churches have a hard time with that. Yeah. People I'll
0: introduce like, new melodies or I'll introduce uh-huh. new melodies once in a while. But the reality is that, like, the belief of prayer is that, in, in, at least in, in my synagogue, is that you know what to expect. Expectations are clear. It helps you into a, a prayerful yeah. state easier. Um, Which so, is,
1: we've talked about this before with holidays. That's why holidays are so meaningful to yeah. so many because it's yeah. a, an annual repetition to expect yes. I had someone give me great advice once and I've used it and it does work which is if you want to do something new always call it a pilot program for the short term
0: uh, nice. and so if you say clever. yeah we're
1: just going to do this uh, four times bi-weekly for the next you know Year. Eight, eight weeks <laughs> um, and we'll see what people think and by the third time people say we've always it's done tradition. this." Far. Yeah, yes. this is yeah. how we've always nice. done it <laughs> very clever
0: very clever and
1: it really does work so note to yourself for the future
0: Well, okay. I think we answered our questions. So uh, thank you for listening to the Big Block of Cheese Part 1. That was fun. Uh, Next year, February 22nd, we'll (laughs) We'll we'll try it it again. again. (laughs) Yeah, Maybe we'll have more social media friends.
1: (laughs) And we do have things to talk about next week. So preview for next time, we had um, the Jesus Gets Us campaign at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And we have a spiritual revival going on at Asbury College in Kentucky. Kentucky, is that right? I
0: have no idea what you're talking about right now. We'll have to talk about it. And Um, and
1: there was a third thing we were going to potentially talk about. Did we talk about Anchorage Baptist Temple changing its name? No, we haven't yet. So we have three items to talk about next time. So if those or any other topics are of interest to you, tune in. But also, as we showed here, we love hearing from you and answering questions you may have. Please do let us know.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you uh, for listening and coming this far. And also a big thank you to the Mitchell Brothers for the music and James Brown for the logo. Um, you can see us online or in person, uh, and uh, have a have a good day. I love you.